don't know what you came in here with or struggles might be, how your week's been, how your morning's been. It seems to be one of the last things we really understand, really, is that God loves us more than we could ever begin to really fathom, but he loves us. And when you understand that, it, it truly changes the way you live. And I pray that each of you today, no matter what else you get from the Lord today as we open his word, that you will be constantly reminded every day this week, God's love is great for you. It's so great for you. This team is, is tremendous. I, I love how they lead us. Uh, Jason Chandler, our worship pastor, is actually leading in Kid Quest today. And, uh, and, so, and he does that from time to time. And if you're a part of the worship community here as a volunteer or whatever, a team member, a part of this, you're going to uh, serve in all of those environments. And so from kids to students to being up here, and I just really appreciate, my son has been looking forward to it because I, I told him, you know, hey, hey, Mr. Jason's going to be in Kid Quest. He's been so looking forward to that. And so that's been good. I, Miles does such a good job on that, on that song. And he's got a little John Legend in his voice, you know what I'm saying? And so to be led in worship by the John Legend voice today, I just... I'm, I'm loving that. I don't know, you know, John needs Jesus, but until he gets him, I'm good with Miles leading us and, uh, and Mary Beth. And they, the whole cast of characters will be here next Sunday night and uh, leading us in night of worship. So I hope you're planning to attend that. You're planning to attend that, right? The um, seven people will be here Sunday night at 6.30. I'm really excited. Um, good. I hope that you'll make, I know that more of you are coming than that. I tell you, we're looking forward to having the whole body, the whole crowd here. I hope that people are lining the walls and sitting on the floor and we'll just worship and blow the roof off of this place this, this next Sunday night. Let's blow the roof off every Sunday morning. That should be the goal anyway. God's worthy. He deserves it. And so we'll, we'll do that. But next Sunday night's going to be special. Hope that you can be a, a part of that. And uh, this week, just to, just to clarify a little bit of what Mina was sharing earlier, we were able to, to work with some partners of ours back from my hometown, Lynchburg, Virginia, called Gleaning for the World. And Gleaning has the opportunity to get in when disaster strikes. They are who the highest people in government even call in order to get relief into places that, that where it's needed. And so this week, because of your generosity, we already had the funds on hand. We just sent a 40-foot container of water bottles to South Carolina and they may need more than that. And in fact, we're just trying to do our, our little part. Uh, folks like Samaritan's Purse are already jumping in. And some of you may want to be a part of that. Maybe a small group wants to go and, and help provide some of the relief there. Samaritan's Purse helped us back in 2009 when it rained 21, 22 inches here in 24 hours. But in South Carolina, our friends and neighbors and family up there are dealing with a thousand-year flood. And so if, if God prompts you to, to go be a part of that, we, we'd encourage you to do that. We may organize a, a trip with Samaritan's Purse here at the church, but just, just go. Go to their website, find out more about that, and uh, be the hands and feet. We're in a series called Revive. And Revive as in to be awakened, as in revival, not as in we're going to set up a tent outside with you know a big white tent with the sides on it. And, and have services night after night after night. And we're not talking about that kind of revival, but rather we're talking about an awakening that happens in our hearts, something that, that God himself does in our prayer and our hope, as with, with Pastor Brian leading the, the charge and challenging us with this, is that, our, is that we're hoping that God will bring a revival to this place that would spill out into our community and our country and our world. And what we've been talking about over the last several weeks is the fact that revival, for revival to begin, it has to begin in each of our hearts. We have to be willing, if you would, to, as, as others have done before us, to, to draw a circle around ourselves, to stand in this circle and say, God, bring revival to the circle. Like started right here. 
And so with prayer and with passion, we pursue God with a, with a diligence and intensity in prayer, maybe that you haven't had in your life for a while. And then before you leave the circle, I truly believe that, that before there's going to be awakening, revival in your life, that there's going to be something that needs to be repented of. And repentance is not condemnation. It's an invitation into a new life, into the hope and freedom that Christ brings. But with those things happening, with, with prayer and repentance happening, God's spirit can be unleashed in us and in this church and our community and on and on it spreads. History tells us about this. I and mean, we've seen others go, go before us. Jonathan Edwards has written about four Scottish ministers who began to seek God for transformation in their cities in 1744. Four Scottish ministers, they began to pray and they just began to, to seek God for, for revival. And they actually asked their small groups that they called societies to, to do the same. And we're asking our small groups to, to do the same, to begin to pray. They, these men actually made a two-year covenant to pray together. It actually turned into a seven-year covenant because they just kept it going and kept it going as God was moving. But what were they praying for? Jonathan Edwards write this. He says they were praying for the return of a new season that will naturally refresh the memory and will cause us to remember the teachings of Jesus Christ and the obligations we have as his followers. We will be renewed in the importance, necessity, and unspeakable value of the mercy we seek from God. The word spread far beyond Scotland. It spread far beyond the UK and eventually it landed in Boston and became the seeds of revival that would be harvested in our own country because four pastors said they were going to pray in unity to be renewed in the importance, necessity, and unspeakable value of the mercy they were seeking from God. What a great statement. If you're taking notes or if you're using that blank page we give you every week and your Get Connected card, I hope if you don't write down anything else that I say today, I pray that you would write down right now, write renewed and the importance and unspeakable value. In order for there to be revival in your life, you must be renewed in the importance and the unspeakable value of the love of God, of the truths from his word. That's why we're here, right? For some of you, maybe you haven't been here in, in a while, or maybe you've just started coming back. Maybe you're here every week, but what we're doing in this place is we're giving God the, the first part of our week, the first part of our offerings, the, the first part of our worship, and we're doing that because, God, we're saying you are important to us. We're seeking first your kingdom so that all these things can be added to you so that we can, so that we can be a part of what you're doing in the world. We're here today every week. We need it every week. I need it every day to be renewed in the importance and the unspeakable value of the mercy of God, of the grace of God. I was preparing for this talk this week and I recalled something that I had read about before, something that caught my attention in a book and I had underlined it and I went back and I found it. It's something called speech act theory. Say, that sounds really exciting. That's why I came to church today. I know. I, I, I knew you were hoping. Here's what speech act theory is. It's the idea that something can be spoken into existence, that certain words or phrases can speak something into existence. There's great power in that. I love it as a pastor when I have the opportunity to speak something into existence, maybe even use a pastor voice. I, I, I don't really have one, but I try. But when I get to use a pastor voice and say, I now pronounce you husband and wife, I have just spoke something 
into existence. I mean, the restaurant industry has been transformed by speech act theory, hasn't it? I mean, if you've ever been welcomed to Moe's or if you've been in a Willie's or if you would order your burrito in the place where Jesus would in a Chipotle, if you've ever been in those places, you have spoken something into existence and you've done it in a way that's unique to you. The Huffington Post tells us that there are more than 80 thousand different ways to order a cup of coffee in a Starbucks. It's no wonder some of you have panic attacks when you walk in the door. I mean, really, 80,000 different ways, but you get to speak and bring something into existence. Glory to God. Caramel macchiato. And this week they told us, this week the government has told us we don't have to order it non-fat anymore. Whole milk is back on the table. If you didn't hear it or read about it in the Drudge Report, I am here to set you free today. It's a good thing. Man, you can speak something into existence. When God speaks, he brings things into existence. The Bible said that he says that he spoke the world into existence. God said, let there be light. And there was light. I can't do that. I walk into a room. I can say, let there be light. Nothing will happen. I have to flip a switch. But when God speaks, he brings things into existence. Isaiah chapter 55 says it this way, for as the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return there, but water the earth, making it bring forth and sprout, giving seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goes out from my mouth. Pastor Tim Keller says it this way, God, by his very nature, acts through speaking. He goes on to say this, when the Bible talks of God's word, it's talking of God's active presence in the world. Where is God? Some of you would like to know where he is today. Maybe you have lost someone recently. Maybe you've lost a person. Maybe you've lost a job. Maybe your marriage is hanging by a thread. Where is God? Well, he's where he's always been, but his active presence in the world may be sitting on your shelf. It may be sitting on your lap. It may be hidden in your iPhone or your iPad, but God's word is his active presence in the world. And if you want something to happen into your life, I am here to tell you today, God speaks and he wants to speak into your life. He wants his word to be a part of your daily life. Psalm chapter 33 verse 9 says, For he, God, spoke and it came to be. He commanded, underline the word commanded in your Bibles or highlight it there in your notes. He commanded and it stood firm. In Hebrew, the word for command actually comes from the word direction. When God speaks, he is bringing something into being that will stand the test of time. He is going to make it happen. He is bringing something into existence. When God commands you to do something, when God tugs on your heart to do something, he is trying to bring something into existence. And as you obey him, I want you to know it is already accomplished. He's accomplished the work. He just needs you to follow him. Proverbs chapter four says, I have taught you the way of wisdom. I have led you in the paths of uprightness. When you walk, your step will not be hampered. And if you run, you will not stumble. I want you to understand this word for path is not just the roadway. It's not just the big, broad road. I want you to imagine the big, broad road today is a dirt road. Imagine a farmer going down the road, multiple farmers going down the road, and maybe they've got a cart. They're taking 
crops to the market or whatever they're doing and they've got a donkey or a horse leading the cart and as they go down that dirt road, they're creating a rut in the road and what happens is farmer after farmer, person after person comes down the road and in that road now there's, there's a rut, there's a path. The word for path in the scriptures, the word for path, particularly in Hebrews, is, and excuse me, in Proverbs, is that word for that rut. Many of you love the verses and you're familiar with the verses from Proverbs chapter three, verse five and six. It says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make straight your paths. Too often we think of these verses as, man, if I just get a machete in my hand and if I just clear the path, I will try to clear the path. And if I'm trusting God, God will make sure that when I get out on the other side of the vines and the weeds, I might that I'll be in the right place. I mean, I might flail away in the meantime. I don't know where I'm going, but if I'm trusting God, I'll end up where I'm supposed to be. Can I tell you, that's not what the Proverbs teaches us. You don't have to cut down the vines and the weeds. God has already cleared the way. The rut is already in the road. Our job is to follow him in obedience. So let me try saying it this way. Has God ever commanded you to do something? Has God ever asked you to do something? Has God ever commanded you to follow him down a particular path? Saying it out loud, speaking it into existence is a big deal. Some of you have dreams and promptings that God has put in your heart. God has spoke to you. There's been a a subtle tug. The spirit of God has has spoke to you, and you've never said it out loud because you know that when you speak, you are potentially bringing something into being that you have been hesitant about bringing into existence. It might be something small. Like for you men, maybe you feel like you are supposed to bring prayer into your family. Maybe you feel like God tugs at your heart occasionally, some nights at home when you're all happen to be there together or maybe with your, with your wife before bed and you feel this prompting, this tug on your heart. It's something small, but for you to pray as a family, you've never said it out loud because you know that by saying it, you are putting yourself out there. Well, if God has said it to you, you're putting God out there and he wants you to follow it. It seems so small, but I can tell you from what the scriptures say to us, everything in the enemy's power is coming against you in that moment. But if there's going to be awakening in our hearts, if there's going to be awakening in our homes, we need some men to get strong about prayer. And you may be thinking, listen, what's my wife going to say? I'm not the husband I should be. What are my teenagers going to say? I'm not always the dad that I should be. Can I just say, welcome to the club? I mean, really, I'm a card-carrying member. There's been moments where I have felt God tugging on my heart. Hey, lead her in prayer. Lead your boys in prayer. Bring them back to the table. Why don't you open the scriptures back up to where you were, hopefully this morning, and, and read this verse together. And I'm thinking, God, do you have any idea how poor I acted about 30 minutes ago, about an hour ago? And God's like, yeah, I've seen you do that before, but I'm still tugging on your heart. I still want you to lead. I still want you to pray. It seems so simple, but to say the words out loud, hey, let's come to the table, let's pray. Hey, let's sit on the couch, let's pray. 
Some of you dads may be thinking, I, I, don't, I don't know how to do this. Just start. Follow that prompting that God has put on your heart. For any of us in the room, perhaps you have an idea to do an act of kindness for a neighbor or just to just even introduce yourself to them, right? I mean, when you introduce yourself to somebody, you are practicing speech, act, theory. You are bringing awareness about your existence into being. I mean, this is every single guy or gal in this room. I mean, this is what you have to do. You have to walk up to them in the restaurant or wherever you are, and you have to speak and you have to bring your existence into being if you are ever going to have a chance. For some of you, God has asked you to do something that maybe is a bit more difficult. Maybe it's beyond praying. Maybe it's beyond reading scripture as a family. Perhaps there's a sin that God has convicted you about and you need to confess or purge yourself of that. Can I tell you, admission is not confession. But when you confess, when you speak it out loud, God is faithful to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us. Maybe you need to ask for someone's forgiveness. Maybe you've just kind of been sitting on this for a while and you just think, well, surely they're over it by now. Some of you, God's put big things on your heart. Maybe he's asked you to to quit a job and start a small business. He wants you to bring something into existence. I've watched people speak something out loud and seen physical transformation. I've heard people express their emotions and say things like, I am afraid or admit that they're sad, they're grieving, they're hurting, or maybe even to say something like, I will not give up on my marriage or I will not fail. I'm going to win and watched physical transformation happen in those, in those people. When you speak, you're bringing something into existence. That's what's so powerful about worship. We come into this place and we, we hear these songs, but when we take them and we don't just hear them, but when we speak them out loud, when we sing them out loud to God, worship becomes a declaration that we are bringing more of him into our lives and giving him preeminence in our lives. We are speaking that into existence when we say things like, I surrender all, or God loves me, or I will follow you no matter what. I love, there's a song that we're going to be singing next Sunday night, I think for the first time here as a church. I heard it back over the summer and I asked the guys if they had heard it and Jason heard it and, and Phil, our creative arts pastor, had heard it. And it's just, the words were just, God, it's your breath in our lungs so we pour out our praise. The first time I heard those words sung in a song, I thought, that, that's my anthem. That God, you put the breath in my lungs so I will live for you. I pour out my praise for you, God. Words have the ability to create, to rescue, to give purpose, to bring forgiveness, to bring healing, and to bring our lives into focus. I want you to know God has already created the path he's asked you to go down. If he's tugging on your heart, he is, no matter simple or, or great, he has already created the path. What's down the path? Adventure, challenge, setbacks, triumphs. But at the end of the day, what Jesus calls the abundant life, what we call here the abundant life journey, a life your kids will be excited to live with you, a life worth giving everything you have to. Deuteronomy chapter 30 says, therefore choose life, that you and your offspring may live, loving the Lord your God, obeying his voice, obeying his words and holding fast to him listening obediently and then hang on tight. When someone says, I need to hear from God, 
And that's what some of you are saying. That's why you came here today. Because you need to hear from God. What are you saying? I need God to speak. I need him to bring something new into existence, into my life, because what I am doing is not working. My life needs reviving. My life needs awakening. And in God, Deuteronomy says, Moses says, for it is no empty word for you, but your very life. I tell you, if there's anything in your life that needs awakening today, you cannot have life apart from God's word. You cannot. And I was reading this week about some of these revivals that took place in the 18th century and pockets of things in the 19th century. And in every single one of them, everyone that I came across, some of the evidence of awakening that was happening was that people were feeling called and recommitted back to God's word. You cannot have life without God's word. And the good news is God still speaks. God still speaks. He still speaks through his word. He still tugs on our hearts. He still prompts us. He still challenges us. He still encourages us. And in order for there to be awakening in your heart, there has to be a commitment to God's word or a recommitment to God's word. Whether you open it up in your truck on a lunch break or you read it at at your table as as a family or illuminate it on an iPhone or whatever you got, you are reading the very words of God. And the author of Hebrews tells us it is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword. God's word calls us to take holiness seriously, to get our passions under control, to not give in to things that the culture has deemed acceptable in the name of tolerance or, or universalism, but rather God's word stands and it stands the test of time. First Thessalonians 2 says, we also thank God constantly for this, that when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, the apostle Paul said, you accepted it not as a word of men, but as what it really is, the word of God, which is at work in you believers. Later on, that same letter to the Thessalonians, he says, therefore, whoever disregards this, the words of God, disregards not man, but God. We need to take seriously that when we come into this place, or when we open God's word together in a small group, or when you open it at your table as a family, or when you open it privately, that you are reading the very words of God, and then we are to carry those words out with us and to our community, our country, and our world, wherever we go. But in order for there to be life and awakening in your life, there has to be a seriousness about God's word. I love what the apostle Paul says, how he opens up to the Thessalonians. This was a church that had it going on. I mean, he was just writing to them about how, how great things are going over and over again. Listen to how things are going. In chapter 1, verse 8, he says, For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere so that we need not say anything. That would be revival. Do you understand what he just said? Can you imagine it? Imagine myself or Pastor Brian or one of the other communicators here. Imagine one, one of us standing up saying, Well, we don't need to preach today because you guys have been doing it all week long. So let's just pray and worship and take the offerings. We can continue to expand the work, but you guys have already done all the preaching this week by what you've said, by how you've lived. So let's just go out and do that again. I mean, that's powerful. If 5,000 people could live out, could go out of here every single weekend and you guys just be the word of God, if you would just speak the word of God and speak his life into existence all over this community, we would see revival break out. 
But being, being revived doesn't involve just reading God's word, but it should start there. It doesn't involve just listening to God's word, but it should start there. It doesn't involve just memorizing God's word, but in speaking it and bringing the life of God into existence wherever you live, work, and play. We are to take his word, to use it, and then to be his ambassadors in the world. 2 Corinthians chapter 5 says, God has given us the task of telling everyone what he's doing. We're Christ's representatives. That's you, that's me. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for God himself now. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. God is for you. That's the message. That's the message of his word. That's the message we carry. God is for you. God sent his son, his only begotten son, into the world. He loves you. Forgiveness of sins has been extended to everyone on the planet. That's the message. You say, what if I'm a screw-up? He knew you would be. You say, what if, what if I've done all this stuff wrong? Join the club. <laughs> all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You say, what if I'm in my 30s or 40s or 50s or or 60s, and I've been ignoring him my whole life. Can I just tell you? Ephesians 2, the Apostle Paul tells us that because of the shed blood of Jesus, he is not as far away as you think. In fact, he is near. He's near. Anyone who would call upon him in truth. Several months ago, my wife was telling me about an Instagram account that she was following, and she said I would love it. And she kept showing me all these interesting stories of people and they were amazing and I just was kind of wondering where they were coming up with them and reading things about people's lives or stories it just it just grabs my heart it grabs my attention and so I went and I did a little investigating about how this Instagram account came about and very simply a a fired Chicago bond trader named Brandon moved to New York and began a photo blog of people he met on the streets and he created a website called Humans of New York I don't know how long the creative meeting was to come up with that name, but I like it. On Instagram, it's simply humans of NY. It's, it's incredible to follow. I mean, it's New York. You're going to find people of every race, gender, lifestyle, circumstance. But when you look at it, not through the lens of curiosity, and certainly not through the lens of judgment, but when you look at it through the lens of the creator, what do you see? What do you see? I asked our communications director here, Derek, to go out this week and to capture some humans of Northwest Atlanta. People with dreams, people with challenges, with opinions, people made by God for his glory, for his purposes. People where God wants to see things come into reality so badly for their lives where he wants to come into a personal relationship with them so badly he sent his son to die for these people so they signed a little release and Derek asked them a few questions they knew this would be shared in the church somewhere they all had some spiritual thoughts I want to share some of the stories of the people he met this week the first is Jaleel here's what he says yep I actually got selected for jury duty He looks really excited about it. Here's how I see life. You really have to work hard to get where you want. Life isn't easy. And the bills are required to get from point A to point B. 
from early on, I had to learn that I had to make sacrifices. But that's hard to do with temptations. We didn't ask him what that meant. It's just his commentary on life. The next is a lady named Vanessa. She says, when I moved to Georgia in 2010, my husband got laid off. We were forced to use our entire savings to pay our bills. Some of you know exactly what that's like. Today, my husband works in Miami, Florida, so the only way I see him is through my phone. But he bought me a ticket, so I get to see him in a couple of weeks. And there's just one more. I could do this all day, by the way. But there's just one more. And this one just captured us right away. I want to show you the picture of Wilson and Joan. They have been married for a whopping two and a half years. Joan was raised in the Episcopal Church, and she's a widow. Previously, she was married for over 20 years. Secret sauce for their two and a half year marriage we allow each other room. However, the bottom line is we have an ultimate respect and love for one another. Listen to what Wilson says. This is his little commentary on life. From my previous marriage, I have a gay stepdaughter, and I've always been put off by the way that Christians have treated homosexuals. I mean, I was just as shocked as anyone when she came out, but it didn't change the way I felt about her. I'm an atheist. Well, sort of. I believe faith is the final answer. But there are times that I talk to someone or, well, something. I just hope he's listening. Here's where I've settled on the issue. Faith alone gets you to that final step. I just don't happen to have it. How do we treat people? What are we supposed to do with this when we get to know them, when we know their stories, when we hear a little something of of their past and get a little glimpse into their heart? Romans chapter 2 says this, Do you suppose, O man, you who judge those who practice such things and yet do them yourself, that you will escape the judgment of God? Or do you presume on the riches of his kindness and forbearance and patience, not knowing that God's kindness is meant to lead you to repentance. It's the kindness of God that leads us to repentance. Repentance is not condemnation. It's invitation. It's invitation into hope. It's invitation into freedom. It's invitation into life eternal. Eugene Peterson says, in kindness, God takes us firmly by the hand and leads us into a radical life change. Listen, if we are his representatives, if we are to be the representatives of God, then our opportunity, I would call it our responsibility, is to take people by the hands and to lead them to Jesus. But it's all in how you see them. How do you see people? How do you see your coworkers? How do you see people on the ball field? Do you, do you know their stories? Do you know the names of your neighbors? 
If the things that we cling to in the scriptures are true about us, then many of them are true about them. God is for all people. He's not willing that, that any should perish, but that all would come to repentance. So if these things are true about us, then they are true about everyone. Psalm chapter 139 says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made by God. Jeremiah 29, Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and and I will hear you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. There's people around you in your everyday life that you need to speak that to them, that God cares about them, that he created them purposefully, and, and he loves them. Psalm 34 says, The Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. Psalm 145 says, The Lord is near to all who call upon him, to all who call on him in truth. Romans 10 verse 13 says, For everyone who calls upon the name of the Lord will be saved. We need to speak that truth with kindness and love and grace into existence. When a true love for people comes into our hearts, we will have an ongoing desire to see his purposes accomplished, not only in our own lives, but in the lives of those around us. When love breaks in, love breaks out. When the love of God breaks into your heart, it's going to break out. For people to be comforted, for people to experience God's peace, his love, Freedom from sin, the word of God must be spoken. And when it's spoken, new realities are created. As your eyes are open to the people around you, God will reveal to you someone who needs to be reunited with a family member. Maybe they have a bill that needs to be paid and you happen to be able to help at that time. Maybe it's someone who just needs a ride to a job or to school and you're able to use that time to invest in them and to build a relationship. Maybe there's a, a family whose kids' feet keep outgrowing their shoes as they're prone to do and they just need a little bit of extra help. Maybe there's someone who's lost a loved one. They don't need answers. They just need someone who's, who's willing to come and sit and listen and pray. Maybe it's a kid who needs a mentor, someone to tell them they matter to God, that they were made on purpose, and everyone else may mess up in their lives, but God's love will endure no matter what. Maybe God will continue to use you to the point where someone comes to what Jonathan Edwards called a conviction of their absolute dependence on his sovereign power and grace. He goes on to say, people are sometimes brought to the borders of despair And it looks as black as midnight to them a little before the day dawns in their souls. Maybe you will be the one there to usher in the sunrise of the love of God, of a relationship with him. You may have the opportunity to speak God's word and to be a part of creating a brand new life. The kindness of God, the love of God cost him everything. And we have the opportunity to represent him and to share it along the way. For revival to come, for awakening to come, there has to be a recommitment to the Word of God, a renewal in its importance, in its unspeakable value. And when it breaks into our hearts, we can't help but share it. We can't help but share with people the truths of God, that he loves them, that he's near, that he's close.
for revival to come, let us commit, let us recommit to the power, to the truth of God's word. Would you bow your head and pray with me? I just want to ask you today, if you're here as a follower of Jesus, you've already put your faith and trust in Christ for salvation. Is God asking you to do something today? Has he asked you to do something? Has he commanded you to do something? Maybe you read something in the scriptures one day this week and it it prompted a thought and you've just been kind of scared to speak it out loud. Maybe it's something he tugs on your heart at all the time, continually, and you're just afraid to speak it out loud. Maybe right there in the quiet of your seat, maybe you just need to whisper it out loud to him. Maybe you need to turn and share it with your, your spouse. I'm going to try to lead our home to Jesus. Whatever it might be, he's already created the path. You just have to walk in it. That's what it means to follow his commands. If you're here today and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, he has already created the path. He's already created the way. Jesus himself is the way, the truth, and the life. And no one comes to the Father God except through him. If you're here today, you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. Right now, you can pray in your own words and say, God, I give my life to you right now. I turn away from trying to figure things out on my own, from the all the sins, the shortcomings, the missteps. I, I turn away from just living life on my own I, and I turn to you, I give my life to you right now. Would you come into my life? I commit myself to you. Help me to understand what it means to follow you every single day. If you're here today and you've prayed to put your faith and trust in Christ, or you want to talk to someone more about that, would you please not leave this place without doing that? You can come and speak to one of our prayer team members. They'll be along the front of the stage afterwards. If you just prayed, you can fill out the Get Connected card that you handed that you were given when you came in the doors and bring it to a prayer team member, take it to the help center. We'd love to help you get started right. And the scriptures, walking with God is what it means to live with God. It's a walk, it's a journey, we call it here. We want to help you along that journey to know where to put your next step. Father God, we come before you right now and I ask that you would give us the courage and the boldness to follow you in the small steps and in the big ones. God, there's some, there's some people in this room, you're asking them to do big things, to change their families, to change their workplaces, to change their neighborhoods, wherever it might be. God, give us the boldness to follow you the great moments and the small ones. God, really, especially in the things that no one else will see. Help us to live our lives before you in holiness and truth. Speak life and we'll follow you. And we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name, amen.